we started last week on uh, a journey through the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue that this week, then next week we'll do Mother's Day, and then we'll be back to Ephesians. This is a uh, book that uh, is very short, six chapters, you can read it in about 30 minutes, uh, but it is packed. Um, one Bible scholar called it the Grand Canyon of the Scriptures. Um, it is packed full of stuff, as you will see even this morning. Um, and as we, as we talk about um, Ephesians, uh, we talked last week, and we, I gave you a lot of background about it, and we'll keep coming back to bits and pieces of that um, as we go. Basically, the book is divided into two sections. Uh, the first three chapters deal with your position in Christ, and it deals with what Christ has done, and uh, that we're going to deal with a little bit of that this morning. And then the last three chapters deal with your purpose, what, what God has um, in why he saved you and how he saved you. Um, this morning, uh, I, I, before we get started, I need to address, I need to talk to one group of people for a few minutes, and then I'm going to include everybody. So if you're a Christian here, and you've been around Christianity for a long time, and you love theology, and you love to study and argue and debate and, 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 and do all of that on uh, theological issues. I want to talk to you for a few moments, okay? Um, and here's why I want to talk to you. Um, I love those discussions. I think, those, I think it's great to dig, to understand, to search the scriptures, to be able to put things systematically into place. But as we get ready to go through the book of Ephesians, a lot of those issues are going to come up. And so if you're comfortable with terms like uh, Arminianism, Calvinism, predestination, election, foreknowledge, uh, soteriology, tulip, uh, if you're comfortable with those kinds of things, okay, we can have those discussions, but we're not going to have them this more on, on Sunday mornings, okay? Uh, because here's our goal. Our goal is to, as we look at this, um, and I, I tell people, write down your questions, Come on Wednesday night. We, that's the kind of stuff we love hashing out or call me. We'll sit down. We'll talk about it. We'll have, I love those discussions. Okay? I don't want to minimize those discussions at all. But our goal in going through this book is to step back and say, all right, if you were a first, Christian, if you were a first century Christian in Ephesus and you had come to Christ and you were living in Ephesus and you were one of the ones who received this letter from Paul... Um, and it was being read in, in your assembly, what would you take out of it? What would, be the, what would you get out of it? And um, what, would it, what would it do for you in that first century? That's our goal. We want to try to understand it in those terms. When we get into systematic theology and things like that, we like to pull pieces and try to fit all the puzzle pieces together, and that's great. But our goal this morning is a little different. Our goal as we go through this book is to say, okay, how did that apply to a person in Ephesus in the first century when they, when they heard it? And what was the implication of that? And then we could pull all kinds of things out of that. So with that in mind, you know, um, don't go, you know, well, do you know this? Yeah, well, let's go talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it here, okay, on Sunday morning. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so um, let's talk about, we're going to look this morning at Ephesians chapter 1. We talked about verses 1 and 2 last week. We're going to look at verses uh, 3 through 6 today. Now, here's what I need you to understand. I need you to understand that if you were reading this passage in uh, first century Ephesus, that verses 3 through 14 
are one sentence. It's one sentence long in the Greek language. So, uh, it, if you were an English teacher, you would call this a run-on sentence. All right? You would have red marks all over it. Make a stop here. Da, 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 okay? Fortunately, when they translated into English, they didn't make it one long sentence. All right? They gave us a lot of verses and broke it all up. Basically, it comes down to this. It, it deals, Paul is writing to these people and saying, look, I want you to understand what God's done in saving you. And so, in these 11 verses, he breaks it down into, and this is the way we're going to look at it, three sections. This is what God the Father did when he saved you. This is what God the Son did when he saved you. This is what God the Holy Spirit did when he saved you. So we're going to look at it kind of in those chunks, okay? So with that in mind, we're going to dive into it, and um, some of you are going to, some of you are going to, uh, it's going to be a fun day. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what he says. And we're just going to look at each, each, each little section. He's blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, now that idea of in Christ, you're going to see a lot in this book. So, therefore, we put it on the wall to help you remember it. Um, so, we're going to leave it up there till we're done with Ephesians. Um, Juanita came in this morning, and <laughs> Juanita got all the way up to the stage and went, Oh, um, really glad I chose that song today, you know, in Christ alone. Um, but anyway, so, you, you know, it's just, that, that, that'll help you remember it. Here's what, let's start out. Notice what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what you need to understand. He's going to talk about your position in Christ. And here's what, here's what he starts off with right off the bat. He says, God is the source of this thing. You need to understand that. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right off the bat, he says, you need to understand your salvation, my salvation, it starts with God. God is at the center of it. And he talks about this idea, and he says, who has blessed us. Now, that's important because us is Jews and Gentiles. You have to remember, the church is early at this point. I mean, he's, he, this thing happened on a second missionary journey. Paul's roll along. And, and, and so you have a church of Greeks and, and Romans and you have a church of Jews. And, and, and Paul's writing to him and he says, okay, first of all, you need to understand God has blessed all of you. Up until this point in history, the Jewish people kind of claimed God's blessing. And Paul's right out, right out the bat is going, look, blessed be God the fa- and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. And then notice what he says, with every spiritual blessing. He does not say material blessings. Contrary to what some people are out there preaching and teaching, that, you know, come to Jesus and, and, you know, everything will turn out roses and God will back up the money truck and dump it into your yard. And, you know, and if you give him $10, he'll give you $100 and he'll multiply, you know. Time out. Because when I read my Bible, Genesis to Revelation... I don't see God guaranteeing a, a, a material blessing to any of his followers. When he came to the earth, he didn't own a house, and he slept on a rock for a pillow. Okay? And, and so I don't see this idea in the scripture. Believe me. You need to understand this. Believe me. If I could genuinely believe that the scriptures went there, I would go there. Those preachers live awesomely. Okay? 
I don't, but if I'm going to be honest and true to the text, I'm going to be honest to Genesis to Revelation, I don't see that. Um, I see spiritual blessings on their hand, and that's what Ephesians says. He says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And you need to know that as you come, when you come to Christ, the amount of spiritual things that God does in your life is incredible. And you're going to start, as we go through and walk through Ephesians, you're going to start to understand what some of that means. And what God actually did when he saved you. And how you have access to these incredible spiritual blessings that too many times we don't understand. And then notice what he says, in the heavenly places. Often when you and I think of in heavenly places, we think of what? It's not a trick question. Heaven. We think of heaven. Remember, remember we talked about this last week. Ephesus is a town that is steeped in the occult. It's steeped in witchcraft. It is focused around the goddess Diana, Artemis. It is sourced. This is their whole culture. Their whole world is about this unseen spiritual world of gods and goddesses fighting one with another and, and, and trying to gain control. And Paul says, look, you need to understand, in heavenly places, not just in heaven, but in the heavenlies, so to speak, in that unseen world, and when you get to Ephesians chapter 6, he's going to talk about that, about the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. He says, in that world, he said, you need to understand, you're on Christ's side in that world. And your blessings are in Christ in, the, in, in that kind of battle. And then he's going to go on to explain to you and explain to the people of Ephesus how they're blessed. And here's what he says. He goes on to the next verse. Listen to what he says in verse 4. He goes on and says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Do you understand what he's telling these people? Do you understand what he's telling us? God chose you before Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. God chose you. God said, it's mine. You know, I thought I chose God. You said yes to God, but he's very clear here. God chose us in him. God chose us. Now, if you're a first century Ephesian, and you have come to Christ, and you're thinking of all the reasons why there are so many other people that should be a, a Christian, and you can't believe that God did this for you, and for, for Paul to write to you and say, you need to understand him. You're blessed because God chose you. God chose you in him before the foundation of the world. In other words, you're not a happen chance in God's big plan. It's not one of those things where it's like, no, God said, you know what? No, I chose you. I, he chose us, talking to all the people there, in him before the foundation of the world. And people get the choice. Here's what it means, to select or pick. That's what it means. You go, all right, pastor, you just lost me there. I thought I accepted Christ. You did. But wait a minute, you just told me Christ chose me. Yeah, that's exactly what it said. Pastor, I'm confused. I don't understand that. You don't have to. You just have to accept it and believe it. Let me give you a great example of this, okay? Um, 
Now, I, 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 was, I was inside taking a shower when this happened this morning, but the sun came up in the east. And today, if I sit in my kitchen window when the sun sets, the sun's going to set in the west. And every day that it's not cloudy, I can get up and I can see that the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. Okay? And as I look at it, the earth is flat. Because it's flat. I've been in a plane. In fact, I've jumped out of a plane. That's another story. Um, (laughs) That almost ended up in marriage counseling. But um, anyway, um, in a plane, when I look down, the world's flat. I look off on the horizon. In fact, there's a little gauge on a plane that tells you it's flat. I think. Um, yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm going to get. Uh, yeah, right. But how do you know the earth is round? There's not a person in here that has seen the round earth. All you know is what people have told you. You've, you've, seen the, you've seen the staged pictures from the astronauts of a round globe. You were taught in school that it spins on a little thing and you played with it as a kid, you know? You don't know that, do you? No, you believe it because you've been told that. You accept it even though you don't understand it and even though you have never seen it. Now, you need to know there are people in this world who refuse to accept it. There are flat earth society people. And if you're a member of that, we agree to strongly disagree, okay? Because I believe the earth is round. I don't understand it. I don't understand how it spins and then the moon spins and the whole solar system spins and the whole solar system thing floats inside the, the cosmos and is part of the galaxy that's part of a this, that's part of the, I don't understand all that, but you know, I still believe it. You don't have to understand something to believe it to embrace it, okay? And I would argue that Scripture actually teaches you can't. Because the Old Testament says it this way, your thoughts aren't my thoughts, your ways aren't my ways. Allow God to be God, okay? Is there coming a day that we we will understand it? Yeah, I think so, but not on this side of death as far as I'm concerned, okay? There are a lot of things that I embrace even though I may not understand them. Case in point, you understand how your cell phone works? I know you got, some of you do. Um, but, you know, I mean, do you, under, you understand? Do you understand what happens when you hit the T on your computer keyboard? What happens? How all of those ones and zeros line up to tell something that it's... Now, you understand that everything you ever do on a computer is related to a one and a zero? You know? You still believe it, don't you? You still use it and embrace it, don't you? Some of you go, no, I'm anti-computer. Okay, you know, all right. You can be a Luddite. Um, I, you know, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you know, that's, that's all right. You, you follow what I'm saying? So, so don't get too hung up on this. Paul writes to these people because they're in, a, they're in this world of this unseen world and this, this God and goddesses and this powerful thing, and they're all wondering how they fit into it. And, 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 and that, in that world, in that world, What actually happens is 
you, the God and goddesses are, are angry at you and you're always trying to appease them. And Paul writes to these people and says, you need to understand, the God who has blessed you, he ain't like that. He chose you before the foundation of the world that, and notice what he says, he had a purpose. That you should be what? Holy and blameless. Holy has the idea of set apart. We talked about this last week when we talked about the idea of saints. Blameless has the idea of integrity. God says, look, God said, look, I want you to be part of my family, and I want you to live separate from other people and with integrity. That's my purpose for you. And he goes on to say this, before him in love. Now, that little word in love is a little bit of a problem for us. I don't think it is, but some people do. Some people, some Bible scholars, there's a lot of debate. Does in love go with verse 4 or does in love go with verse 5? And my answer is yes. <laughs> it goes with both. It's consistent with both. It's absolutely practical to both. And what he's saying is this. It's this idea, uh, if, you, if you put it with verse 4, it's this. God chose you in love. God so loved the world that he gave. So it's consistent with that. Verse 5, the the implication would be because God chose you, you have the capacity now to love, to love God, to love others, to love those around you. But he says, look, so he says, you've been blessed because God chose you before the foundation of the world. And then he goes on verse 5 and 6. Listen to what he says next. Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I do want to put this up here. Here's, Here's what Spurgeon said. I love what Spurgeon said about this idea. Okay, here's what he said. God called us in Christ. He justified us in Christ. He sanctified us in Christ. He will perfect us in Christ. He will glorify us in Christ. We have everything in Christ. We have nothing apart from Christ. That's important for us to understand. Because we are here, we are gathered here as believers because we have been placed in Christ. Here, let me give you a little bit of picture down where we're going. Where is Christ today? Huh? He's, he's in a heart, but where does Scripture also teach he is? No, that's the Holy Spirit. Where's Christ? Seated at the right hand, the throne of God. If I am in Christ, where does that put me? We're going to talk about the implications of that as we keep going through Ephesians. But that's pretty significant. That's what we're talking about. He comes down to verse uh, uh, 5 and 6. Here's what he says. Notice this. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. Let's talk about what this means. First of all, you need to understand this. If you're a first century person living in Ephesus, if you are a Jew, you don't get this because as a Jew, adoption is very rare. If you're a Greek or Roman, on the other hand, or a Gentile, Gentile, the Gentile, you get this. Because adoption is a big concept during this time in history. Adoption in this world meant a couple of things. One of the things that it meant is that when you were adopted, you were adopted and you absolutely broke complete ties with your old family. 
In fact, it went so far as to say this. Let's say your family owed, it was a million dollars in debt, okay? Um, If your family died, so let's say my mom and dad owed a million dollars, my mom and dad died. That now, I am now responsible for their million dollars worth of debt, okay? However, if I had been adopted, no longer responsible for their debt. All ties to my old family is completely severed, completely severed. I now come into a new family. In this world at this time, when you came into the new family, there are a couple things that were very significant. First of all, you were not seen as an adopted child. You were seen as a biological son or biological daughter. There was no distinction between adopted and non-adopted people. Secondly, there was no distinction between child and adult. When you were brought in, you were brought in automatically as a full-grown adult with rights and status and privileges of that adult, no matter what your age. So when Paul writes to these people and says, you have been predestined to adoption by sons, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, he's saying, God took you and broke you from your old family, Satan. He has now placed you with all the full rights and privileges of an adult son. It's not something you're going to work towards, and as you get closer to God, God's going to give you more stuff and all those kinds of things. At that point that you were adopted, all of the rights and privileges that came with being a full-fledged son came with it. And he says, you have been adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. And notice what he says, according to the good pleasure of his will. In other words, God had a plan. There was a will, there was a plan, there was a purpose for God doing that in your life. And he says, and here's what it is. He's already told you. It's about being holy and blameless. He reemphasizes it here. To the praise of the glory of his grace. In other words, you and I are to reflect the grace of God and what he has done and glorify him with all that we're to do. And he said, that's what's happened. That's what God did. By which he hath made us accepted. That's the idea of embraced in the beloved. And he comes to these, he's right to these people. He goes, I want you to understand, again, two weeks from now we're going to deal with Jesus' role in it. And then three weeks from now we're going to deal with the Holy Spirit's role in it. This is God's role in it. He said, this is what God has done. When God saved you, I have people go, you know, well, you know, I don't know if, like, I'm one of the chosen ones. And I'm not sure if, like, God elected me. And Time out. Let me make this really simple for you. Okay? Ask him into your heart. Because he says, whosoever will call upon my name shall be saved. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You go, well, what if he won't take me? What if I'm not one of the chosen? Let me explain it to you, okay? If you can do that, you're in. Well, I thought it was all about me and me choosing God and all. No, you have to make a choice. There's an element of it that's on your part of it. But God said, and there's all kinds of, you know, this, you know, you know there's all kinds of, is it, is it, you know, um, limited atonement, unlimited atonement, blah, blah, we, you know, all that. We can get into all those discussions if you want. Okay? Bottom line is this, God said, Jesus said, whosoever, come. There's no way to God but by me. And over and over again, Paul taught it very simply. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boom. That's it. You go, and, and so if you're sitting here this morning, you're a Christian. Here's what you need to understand. Part of God's plan. 
understand that. Why would God want me? That's exactly why Paul's writing this. That's exactly why Paul's writing it. That's what he's trying to get across to these people. That's what I want to try to get across to you this morning. Just as Paul wrote to these people at Ephesus, what I'm trying to get, because here, here's what I deal with all the time here. Okay? Well, you don't understand. Like, I'm just like a country person. God can't use me. I don't understand why God even saved me. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't understand what God did. I don't understand why God went, you know. Time out. Let's talk about it practically for us today. If you're sitting here this morning, you're a Christian. God has blessed you. Because God chose you. He had a purpose and a plan for you being his child before in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, then you need to wake up, okay? Because the fact that God knew you at that point is mind-boggling. The fact that God wanted you is even more mind-boggling. The fact that God then provided a way for you is even more mind-boggling. And the fact that God had a purpose and a plan for you should help you to understand you coming to Christ, not just some afterthought, some just like a little tacked-on thing that God has in mind. No, this is something God said, look, I want you. And that is an incredible concept for us to understand. And when Paul writes to these people at Ephesus, these are, a lot of these people are slaves. They don't have this big theology background. They just know that Jesus died on the cross for them, and they wanted to trust him instead of Artemis and Diana and all the other witchcraft gods that were being practiced at that time. And all they knew is they wanted to follow God, and so they go following God. And Paul writes back to him, and he goes, let me tell you something. I want, to understand, I want you to understand, guys, the God that you serve chose you and wanted to be a part of your life and wanted you to be a part of his life from the beginning of time. That's mind-boggling. And so if you sit here this morning and you go, man, I just don't understand what God's got. God's got a plan. And he wants you to go out into whatever world he's put you in this week and live differently than everybody else and to live with integrity so that as people see you, they go, you know, I don't know what it is about that guy, but... There's just something different. There's just something different about the way she does her job. There's just something different about the way they talk to, to, to people. They're, they're, they're different in the way that they deal business. Everybody else that I know, they do business this way, but that person, they do business this way. God says, look, from the beginning of time, I've called you out to do that. That's what I wanted for you. And then, not only has he chosen you, but he has adopted you as son, as daughter, and all the rights and privileges that come with that. You know, there's a little, in our culture, there's a little phrase, who's your daddy? And in culture, we use that to be able to say, who's really in control of you? Jesus. My daddy. That's the one that's called me. That's the one that's adopted me. That's the one that chose me. That's the one that wants a relationship with me. He's the one that calls the shots of my life. 
He's the one I try to glorify. He's the one that I set apart from to be different. He's what you go, you go, I don't understand why God would do that. You don't have to understand why God did that. You just have to embrace and accept the fact that he has a plan and a purpose for you. Long before you even knew you were going to be on this planet. And Paul writes to these people at Ephesus and says, look, I want you to understand this is what God did when he saved you. And I'm here to challenge you this morning. Some of you are like, you know, well, I just don't think God can use me. You don't understand Ephesians chapter 1. And you go, well, you know, I'm just a fill-in-whatever-the-blank is. I'm just a, a housewife. I'm, you know, I'm just a worker on the line. I'm just a cashier. I'm just a nurse. I'm just a doctor. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Whatever it is. God says, look, I've got you exactly where I want you. Live separate. Live set apart. Live a life of integrity. And realize you're my child in that world out there. Don't let Satan be your daddy. You listen to me. You follow me because you are now part of my family. And as a, 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 the South does a really good job with this. I don't think it will ever fly in Iowa. But they refer to everybody as brother and sister in Christ. You know, because you're a family centered around Jesus Christ. If you're not, if you're here this morning and never put your faith and trust in Christ, let me tell you something. It is the most simple thing in the world, but it, the all that comes with it, is incredible, because of what God's done. And if you're here this morning, you never put your faith and trust in Christ. Please talk to one of us. You know, for me, a 16-year-old kid, um, wasn't a church service or anything. I just bowed my head and said, "Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a savior." Best as I know how, I want to put my faith and trust in you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. My life changed at that moment. Had a new dad. Had a new purpose. I didn't understand. I still don't understand all this election foreknowledge, predestination, Calvinism, Arminian, all, all that stuff, all those soteriological issues that come with it. Can I argue on both sides? Yeah, I can argue on both sides. Does it matter? Nope. No, it really doesn't. I just know I'm here today blessed because he chose me and adopted me and brought me into his family, and it is an incredible journey. And if you are not part of that, we'd love to have you join and be a part of God's family. If you're here this morning, you put your faith and trust in Christ. Live like an adopted son this week set apart with integrity, pointing everyone to him in all you do. So I close with this. I close with this idea that God has blessed us and demonstrated his blessing to us in tremendous ways. He chose us to glorify him in a life that is set apart and full of integrity. He adopted us. They gave us the privilege of being his children. We have a new purpose and a new father as we live our lives this week. Let's act like it. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Lord, we don't understand why 
Lord, we don't understand all the implications of this. But, Lord, we know that you said, whosoever comes, you accept. And, Lord, if there are those here this morning that have never put their faith and trust in you, may they do that. For those of us that have, Lord, we're part of your family. We've been adopted. We have been blessed in incredible ways. It's so easy for us to get caught up in this world and think that uh, this week's going to be all about us. But, Lord, it's really about us glorifying you and pleasing you in all we say and do. So help us to do that. May people see Christ in us this week. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you have placed us in Christ. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's